everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Plow. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And we are the parents of four children, ages 11 through 3. And I would actually list them all out individually, but um, we're in the middle of a birthday season, so it's actually kind of hard to keep track. It's not a clean two years. And when you guys are listening to this, they will be 11 through 3, but while we are recording, they are still 10 through 3. Oh, that's right. Titus is doing his thing Titus here has one more sleep before more he sleep. is 11. Yeah, it's funny. You've been doing the sleeps thing, which is kind of kind of amusing. Yes, because he gets he gets really mad when I tell him he's my little boy. And he's like, I'm not little anymore. And so I've decided, uh, I've told him I'll stop calling him my little boy on his 11th birthday, which is tomorrow. That's adorable. And, yeah. And we're actually too busy to flush but because it's beginning to look a lot like christmas outside um i haven't been able to plow and nobody really cares but i feel the need to explain myself for failing to plow my driveway in a prompt manner i did have someone fall when they left canavox last night on our they were on the street by the time they fell but it was really slippery everywhere last night yeah um was the new person no, it was, was it the, the pregnant person. It was the pregnant person. Oh no! Did she have her baby though? No, but she sprained her ankle oh. and had to have her cousin come out and get her into the house when she oh got home. Oh my gosh! And she That's was at our almost. She was. It's. I felt horrible, and she being. It's I'm Nicole. Mildly, she I'm listens to our amused. podcast. She Nicole, is that's just mildly the, amusing. She is the most relentless. Hoping the baby would come out. Cheerful persevering you guys she had she was hospitalized with covid because of this fall because of uh concerns about baby and oxygen levels and like three days after she got out of the hospital she went on a hike with our homeschool adventure club and here she is with a sprained ankle dragging her three little girls to our homeschool movie day that we hosted in the basement of somebody's so, church. But she's not all sunshine and rainbows by her own admission. She can be hard to marry, be married to, I guess. And John agrees, which is really funny. Um, but she's, she's gonna, we're going to get texts going, why did you talk about me during the show? Because um, we talk about people during the show. She. So last night I overheard her saying that she's got three girls. And I overheard her saying that one was like... Four days early, the other was two days early, and the third was right on time. So by that measure, and I forgot to mention this to her last night, she should be two days late, which would be tomorrow. Yeah, which, right? no, 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 her two days the 12th, which by oh. far beats me okay. where my, but my kids also got later and later past their due dates. Yeah. Although Titus was born on December 8th and my due date was November 29th. So he was induced nine days late. Nobody else was induced, but, but I was signed up with Faith, who is our number four, to get induced because she also was nine days late and I was over it. Once your body, though, kind of figured out what to do, we really didn't have too many problems. Well, no, once my body decided to go into labor. But did you guys know that 40 weeks, when they say a woman is pregnant for 40 weeks, that's just an average and different people's body and if I remember, do you, you probably don't remember this conversation. While I was pregnant with Titus, we had some missionaries from a Muslim Asian country staying at our home for a couple of months. 
And he was saying that different ethnicities tend to have different gestational periods. And I've never researched this. Now I should, now that I'm saying it on air, but that I can't remember which one it is, but maybe like Asian women tend to carry their babies for the least amount of time. Well, African women, I'm just making this up for example, maybe tend to carry their babies for the longest amount of time and white women are somewhere in the middle and Hispanic women are somewhere in the middle. Some Something like that. He was saying that different ethnicities had different average gestational times. 40 weeks is just average, but women seem to have their own sweet spot. And so mm. for me, it seems to be anywhere from, well, Lily was born on her due date and, but we have two who were born nine days late, and Elise was smack dab in the middle at five days late. Do you want to have another one? Absolutely not. Um, so anyway, I the reason I didn't get the get everything plowed promptly was the good news is we had Titus out shoveling walks on. So our, yep. our big, we have a big driveway, you guys. And um, our Jim, ten-year-old voluntarily went out and started yes. shoveling on his own. Your dad, my father-in-law, was planning on going hunting on Saturday, and so we left the side-by-side, his side-by-side. Um, uh, we kind of have a, a kind of a, a deal. I store it for the winter in my garage with a plow on it, and, and he doesn't have to stick it in a warehouse or something. Um, but anyway, so we were going to keep it on the trailer so we could use it on Saturday if we could not pull it off. And then um, I told him, I was like, I can't go. And, and he said he wasn't going to go if I wasn't going to go. Oh, so Why can't you go? Um, it's, it's this Saturday. We've, you've got like birthday plans for Titus. Titus on wants Friday. to do judo and oh, yeah, he wants to all do the things. So, um, okay. so anyway, that's why. And then, and then I updated. I've had an iPad for a couple of years now. And I updated it with the latest... Um, Software. The latest software, and it totally screwed up every single homepage and icon and all of my 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 stuff. Oh, no. I can't, so I I've won't got, update mine. You've got to... Yeah, you'd have to do it all from scratch. It doesn't even seem to have any semblance of... of I mean, it's all mixed up, and I can't figure out... Hmm. I think why. my phone's due for an update, too. They... They did this whole thing, so it's like consistently 5x5 five five or 6x5 or something like that. And while it works... Um, you get used to like the spacing on the side, this white's this blank space, but it totally screws up all of your apps. Now that what they said though is you can actually do individual layouts depending on your orientation. So that's kind of clever. But I don't need that. I just I just I spent a lot of time putting things on certain pages. Now I have to go do it all over again, and it's really dumb, and that made me very unhappy. That. So, Sounds like a first world problem. First world problems, you guys. First world. Wow. Okay. Problems. Okay. Um. So I'm not gonna update my phone. Then I'm not gonna let it. Update I am, no, the phone's fine. Okay. It's just the tablet. Um. So I am doing. Speaking of not first world, I've been working editing some videos for our dojo, um, to do some training for missionaries, to help kids prevent, to help prevent. Uh, trafficking, kids kidnapping. getting ab- kids so getting abducted and kidnapping. So we're putting together some some basic self defense stuff. And it's primarily in India, right? I think so. I can't remember where he said this organization works, but they work all over. So it's going to be used for their training stuff. So that's been kind of enjoyable. It is. It, our kids were actually in the videos. Some of the videos, right? Yes. Yeah, our kids were in so one of the little videos. It's a little bit wild to try to explain to kids in a super 
secure family system. And I say that acknowledging that we are fully fallen and have a lot of chaos and conflict within the walls of our home. But I don't think our kids, our kids live with a basic routine and a strong sense of security that it's, I think it's really hard for them to fathom how these videos would be used, you know, to train these Mm -hmm. kids. Somebody could, I mean, they don't even know they're all too young to even understand sexual abuse other than if someone Okay, here's a little tidbit for you guys. A lot of you, you guys are really savvy listeners. You probably, a lot of you probably know this, but for little kids, you want to use the appropriate scientific names for their private parts. So you don't have a wee wee or a pee pee. It's a penis, and it's well, not, we have a wee wee, but it's that's Lily. <laughs> that's what our three year old calls our eight year old, whose wee name wee. is Lily. But but then it's a huge red flag. If they start to use a nickname for a private part, that is not something that's within your family culture. Or there's other red flags too, but one huge red flag is somebody who's trying to groom your child to sexually abuse your child would be generally does not use appropriate scientific names for body parts. They'll come up with silly nicknames. And if your child starts using those names, it's a huge red flag. So we we teach our kids, you know, who should see parts of your body or touch parts of your body that, you know, are covered up by a swimsuit or, you know, who should help you go to the bathroom if you have problems going to the bathroom or have itchiness or something hurts sort of thing. Who's who's safe to see and touch these parts. We train our kids, you know, sh- should you see somebody else naked? No, should you know, you shouldn't see things that are hidden by a bathing suit on on a screen or in real life. And what do you do if that happens? Who do you tell? What if they tell you to keep it a secret? What if they tell you that you'll hurt they'll hurt your mom or your dad or your siblings if you don't keep it a secret? And in our family we try not to use the word secret because uh, secrets are bad. Usually secrets are designed to hurt someone or protect someone who shouldn't be protected. So if if a secret is good, it's a surprise. So we're keeping a surprise to be a surprise, but we, it, I mean, that's, it's a family culture quirk, but it's a choice that we've made. Uh, anyway, all of that to say, our kids, as far as I know, have never even felt the fear of someone abusing them. Mm-hmm. And so to try to explain to them why they're filming these videos where, they're learning how to break away from and run away from grown men <laughs> uh, is a is a little bit beyond their comprehension. And we do have some friends who um, uh, they they were doing judo for a while with us. He was one of the instructors, but apparently they he would have exercises where he would dead weight on top of them hmm. in case something were to happen or you know. You know, all, anything. So Is there you, a way for a little kid to get out of that? Apparently. Huh. I don't know. Maybe we should have him come teach us that. You should ask, My you kids. Should ask somebody. <laughs> I hate the dead weight. I know. Elise loves it. She's like, Dad, lay on me. And what she wants is She's she wants six. me to like compress the crap out of her torso so she can't breathe. She loves That's that feeling. That's so weird. It's I so hate weird. that. <laughs> so okay, weird. Okay, speaking of wrestling with kids, Titus, who turns 11 tomorrow... I have been, I read somewhere 
years ago that moms should assert themselves physically as the alpha over kids for as long as they can. <laughs> I don't really. I don't, yes, I don't remember the basis of it, but, but I'm it was, the alpha, not you. It was convincing enough. <laughs> it was convincing enough to me that I have made a deliberate effort, especially with Titus, to engage with him physically. And he gets this, like, kind of bullish look in his... He gets this cocky... I mean, I can't describe it to you guys, but even he has this, like, swagger when he looks at me, just wanting me to take him on physically. And just in the last month, maybe... maybe His competitors wiped the floor with him in Dallas, but I think it did something and flipped a switch in him mentally where I would actually have to know judo moves in order to be able to handle him for much longer, where I would say we're pretty evenly matched now. Sometimes I end up on top and sometimes uh, I don't, and I have to, I have to cheat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to get out of it, which usually means tickling him, <laughs> which I claim as a mom prerogative. I can I, do that as long as I want. And I can in judo, you can't grab legs and I grab legs and I do all the things to get him to the ground and sit on him. But the other day I thought I had him. I don't know how to do a proper headlock, but I thought I had him down and he totally wedged himself out from under me. He escaped. Um I had a, we have we have some family, my dad's cousin, up in Wolf Point. Uh, they're they're a ranch family. Um, anyway, I have I have very vivid memories of mom taking out her high school boys, uh, like on a Sunday afternoon after breakfast, just like you would. You know, it's all of a sudden like, I just want, next I, thing you know, mom's on the ground with her two strapping teenage boys and just manhandling them. <laughs> I I would have ranch to be- moms. Right? Ranch moms who can huck a, a hay bale like it's nothing. I, When I was in high school, we competed against a couple of... I played basketball, and we competed against a couple of ranch towns that were... We were class AA, which is the biggest there is in Montana. And these would be class A or even class B, and we would be competing against them. And these girls, first of all, all worked on ranches all summer. And second of all were one team. They didn't have freshman, sophomore, JV, varsity. They had junior high and high school. And so these high school girls had been playing together for their entire lives. Something like street ball. And they they could just beat the snot out of us. And it would make our coaches so mad because a double-A school is not supposed to be beaten so resoundingly But these girls could just manhandle us. And unless the ref set a line further over than they were used to in terms of what was appropriate physically, Mm -hmm. they could just just beat the snot out of us. That's funny, babe. So it's Christmas music season. And I I got in the mood to Jesus Juke secular Christmas songs because... I kept hearing, I'm not sure why this kept coming up, but All I Want is Christmas is You, for Christmas is You. Is that Mariah Carey originally? I don't know. Okay, now I have to. I don't listen to Christmas really music. Quickly. Unless it's Harry Connick Jr. or Bing Crosby, then I'll listen to the music. You're such a snot. All I want for no, I have Christmas. Good taste. Well, then there's Ella Fitzgerald. Nora Jones has some good stuff. 
Um, we did, just so you guys know, it's Mariah Carey. All I want for Christmas is you. Uh, we did, just for the record, you guys have all I want for Christmas, put baby. out on you. Telegram, on our Telegram channel, a request for what does everybody love to listen to at Christmas. And I just pulled it up, and I will throw out a couple of what people liked. I have been really loving a group called Folk Angel. They only do Christmas music. They're based somewhere in Texas. They have some really great versions of traditional stuff. Uh, Davis recommended Josh Garrels, The Light Came Down, and Wren Collective, which our kids love, the Wren Collective, Jolly Irish Christmas. JR recommended Harry Connick Jr., Bing Crosby, Crosby, Ella Fitzgerald, Nora Jones. Also, have you listened to Lauren Daigle's Christmas album? She has a very jazzy feel in her Christmas album. You might like I'm that. sure she's awesome. I'm like... You should listen to her Christmas album. It's very jazzy. It's not yeah. normal Christian I'm pop. over... Yeah, I'm over the K-Love. Uh, Laura thing. recommended George Winston, Fernando Ortega, and I didn't realize he had a Christmas album, and I listened to it, and it's fantastic, and I love all of Fernando Ortega. And Laura, the classical musician, also recommended Handel's Messiah. Uh... Piano Guys, she loves their arrangement of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Um, Fernando Ortega, Carol of the Birds, she says is great. Catherine over in Africa recommended Ingrid Michelson's Christmas album, which I have not had a chance to listen to. Also, The Oh Hellos and Johnny Swim, which I forgot that recommendation. Uh, and The Porter's Gate. Um... Sojourn Music, this is from Eric, Bifrost Arts, Sovereign Grace Music, and of course, Andrew Peterson, Behold the Lamb of God, which then Kim had to rub in our faces that she's seen live and her kids were at live this weekend. Uh, if you guys haven't bought live stream tickets, he did his live stream this past Monday night, so at December 6th, but you can watch it until the end of January. So we're going to have a family watch party this next Sunday because we were busy last night and Blake recommended the song Christmas Shoes which I looked up and was like completely horrified by and then Andrea <laughs> looked up and says did you read this chair mm-hmm. so um JJ Heller Heather recommended also and I JJ Heller's great uh the Christmas Shoes I don't know if Blake was recommending this she did one of those these emoticons with like a wink and a tongue sticking out. So I think she was joking, but it's this horrifyingly sad song where this boy wants a beautiful pair of shoes so his mom can be wearing pretty shoes when she meets Jesus tonight because she's dying tonight. <laughs> so, That's so depressing. It's so depressing. Wow. I don't even know what the motivation of writing a song like that is other than just to wreck you. So Andrea says, introducing this song to my children was a highlight of my life. They are 17 and 14. I sat them down to listen to it a few days ago. The looks on their faces when they sang If Mama Meets Jesus Tonight was priceless. The shock, the horror, which is pretty much exactly how I felt on it. Anyway, I wonder if there's a way that we could create a... We don't do Spotify, which I know is where most people do their playlists, but... Can you do? Can you share an iTunes playlist, or do we have to have a professional account or something to share 
If I were to make an iTunes playlist to... I think you could make an iTunes playlist. Um, okay, we'll investigate this. But the, the thing... I'll be honest. You'd be better off making a Spotify playlist because like everybody in the world is on Spotify and not everybody's on Apple Music. Okay. What about a YouTube playlist? I, do people do that except you? Because I certainly <laughs> don't. I don't know. Okay, guys, let us know how I should make this playlist. I don't do Spotify have, anymore, though. I know, but we have a spot. We have Spotify accounts, but so it's, it's not, like, not a paid account. So can we I, make a playlist I don't know. on it? I don't know. You guys, this I don't first know. world. I get kind of annoyed with people. So we switched over, and this is. I don't like having a gazillion subscriptions. A friend of mine calls them bank account parasites. Well, we switched over. I was big spot. Spotify fan. We switched over from Spotify when Titus started listening to music on his iPad. Because Spotify, as far as I know, still doesn't have any parental controls. You can't lock out an account or uh, you know have a parental account that doesn't have explicit content on it. It's just kind of whatever you get. So it didn't make sense. And I didn't want to have two subscriptions. So yes, Apple Music is not nearly as good or so yes, Spotify smokes Apple Music on a lot of levels, mm-hmm. um, and everybody in the world is like, "Hey, check out this track and or this song," and they send me a Spotify link, and I can listen to it. But it's just like, uh, <laughs> you know. So a part of me kind of wants to go back to Spotify, but until they do, until they do like better I don't, parental, yeah, content. and I don't really want two different music. I don't need two. And different I music spent so I had. Very, I'm you guys. I'm a Luddite. I don't do well with change on my technology. So now that I use an iPhone, I will use an iPhone forever because it's what I'm used to. And I don't like even the upgrades that they do where I don't know how to open this or close this anymore because they changed it. I had a tremendously hard time switching from Spotify to Apple Music. So going back with the playlist that I've built there would probably be a problem for me. But I, anyway, all of that music foray was to say, every time, for some reason, I keep hearing All I Want for Christmas is You, and every time I think, All I Want for Christmas is You, comma, Jesus, because you were the reason for this season. And I started trying to listen for other, uh, other secular Christmas songs that I could Jesus juke just because I felt like it, and... Uh, if you guys, so Jesus juking is adding a Jesus twist to something where somebody, you just don't really need it, but you're going to remind someone that they don't love Jesus as much as you do. I'm, I'm, Uh, we don't have a good definition of Jesus juking, but here's another one. Jesus juking is when you like over spiritualize something. I know there's a definition on the web is you make something intentionally spiritual when it's not intended to be intentionally spiritual. Yeah. But the only, the only other one I came up with was you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, and then something about total depravity and didn't come up. So with Jesus really juke is a term coined by Christian author, John Acuff in 2010 on his blog stuff. Christians like the word jerk is a term most often used in sports, referring to a deceptive action in which player moves one direction not and suddenly jerk, shifts juke. to another. A juke. Juke, yes. Okay. Um, a head fake in basketball is an example of a juke. Acuff describes a Jesus juke as happening when someone turns a light conversation into something serious and, quote, holy, uh, unquote. An example of a Jesus juke can be seen in this conversation. Friend one, I can't believe I spent six hours watching that show. Friend two, 
What if you'd spent six hours in prayer instead? Ah, yep. So all I want for Christmas is you, Jesus, or I'll be home for Christmas, but it would be better to depart and be with the Lord. (laughs) Jesus juking the world. And I don't, like, I, you guys, I'm probably going to turn a lot of you off because there's definitely a level of, I'm so over, like, the Christianese, like, culture in America, like the subculture culture in America, like... The music, the film, the books, the blah, 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 blah. I'm just, I'm kind of, it just feels so, like, ungrounded in reality to me half the time. Um, I think a lot of America, in some ways, is over that, which is why between between that and the Bible books, or between that and Amazon, is why local Bible bookstores are a thing of the past. I don't, we don't have a local store in town where you could go... And buy a Boy, Christian remember? book. You could go to Barnes Noble. Let's go down memory lane for a second. Remember going to the Bible bookstore and like the entire music and room? all the and looking through the yeah, looking through the demo CDs and like putting those demos. CDs, those the, were tapes, dude. I they were demo it. tapes. I had CDs too. They started doing CDs too, and then throw the headphones on and like jam out to this record or that record, and then and there was there a whole was, wall uh, of yeah. of walk. Or, yeah. I mean, for me, they were. Yeah, Walkman tape ones yep. nailed to the wall essentially, and you would um, take your demo one. I won't. I, I won't get down. I remember total. Speaking of total eighties Christianese uh, subculture, um, there was a metal band, and I can't like my mind is blanking now on the name of the metal band. So you old metalheads will remember this if there's any that listen to our show. But there was one of the <laughs> I don't remember who it was, but they had a record. And the cover of the record was uh, a person coming out of a temple, and it was half fully fleshed out, and the other half was like half decayed fleshed out. Weird. So like strings of flesh and it like eyeballs. And so the bookstore, and it, you know, just classic metal. And I, man, it was a super. It was a super uh, quote mainstream Christian metal band. I can't remember the name now. But anyway, they. Uh, <laughs> The Bible bookstore took stickers. Somebody, the record company had made stickers uh, of the non-decayed flesh in case it was a trigger. In case it was offensive, so all of the all of the plastic uh, wrap on the on the CDs had this sticker on the plastic wrap covering up the decayed decayed flesh part. That's it was so funny. I. If I had been even because trigger warnings weren't a thing back in the if late I had 1980s. been if I had been collecting nostalgic Christian things of the past, that would have been one of the things I would have collected and not unwrapped it from its uh, plastic packaging. It's a little wild. <laughs> I just did a search on DuckDuckGo for old Christian metal covers, and then did an image search. They all kind of look the same to me, but they're really weird. Everything was really weird back then. Yeah. Yeah, there's really weird. Okay, so I don't think this is Jesus juking things. Now your, you got me now you got me looking for the yeah, band. Your Oh, know. I'm just going to throw this in cuz I have like it on my encyclopedia of the era. I have the I'm going to throw this out there cuz I have it on my notes of potential things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Actually two one funny thing and one normal thing. Um we, for school this month, are going through Tommy De Paola's Christmas books and related activities and reading them. And 
I had no idea how many Christmas books or just books in general he had published. It's a little shocking to me how expensive they are on Amazon. And our library is out of most of them. So we're just inching our way through a couple. And next year, I'll start putting them on hold in mid-November and then renewing them over and over. Although other people will probably want them. That Most of the ones I wanted are checked out until December 21st. But they are rich, rich artistically, which if you know Tommy De Paola, that doesn't surprise you. But what has surprised me is how, how much history and diversity there is. He does a lot of retelling old Christmas traditions or old Christmas stories from other cultures. So he's got one about Las Posadas, which is a a tradition slash play that Hispanic cultures do. And he the one that we read this last week is based in Italy and he's of Italian descent. So he does a lot of Italian sorts of myths and stories. But I I I think it's really cool how a story that my kids can love just because it's sweet and beautifully illustrated can also have such a teaching power for history and tradition and other cultures, which I know is a value for a lot of people. And it's not, I think these days there's a lot of books that are trying to cash in on diversity for the sake of diversity, Mm -hmm. but his books are rich in presenting other heritages because that's what he did for decades and he was a little bit off step with traditional culture by personality and so he did a good job of keying in on and promoting understanding of things that weren't lockstep with normal American culture so anyway if you happen to go to the library and you have kids ages five four or five through 11 or 12 like we do Tommy De Paula's Christmas books are great resources. Awesome. Okay, so to close out our conversation on metal band covers, Vengeance Rising, their record Destruction Comes, has a picture of a of a guy, kind of an eighties looking Samson guy. Yes, that's sneakers. not when you were describing it. That's not what I was picturing. Okay. Right, but see He's how kind one of a half bodybuilder type, one whole yes. half of the album is like. Uh-huh. destruction and death and the other half is so they had a sticker that looks that they like the other part looked, of him it was yeah it looked like it was him without the decay decay without the the skeleton flesh stuff wow oh my gosh <laughs> we our culture has changed uh, so much during yeah, our lifetimes what year, what year that was but i mean there's nothing that's the sort of thing that our people put more horrifying halloween decorations in their front yards Every year. Yeah. I mean, for remember, real. Remember, this was like, this was the, um, this was the year of, this was like the era of uh, 91. So it wasn't the 80s. It was 19, uh, 19, Practically still the 90s. It, it was, um, 80s. but that was the era where like, remember, uh, Bob, what's his name? Who had like had that, wrote that fiction book, Dead Air. And it no. was like, I grew up in Baptist churches where we were watching stuff about Ouija boards and satanic this and drum beats and all this stuff would, would bring in. You could, if you listen to the wrong stuff. It's like that documentary. Or listen Hell's to Bells. the wrong, yeah, listen to the wrong stuff backwards. You could, you could invite a demon into your home or like just random mm-hmm. things like that. And 
I or never, if you I never read was the clouds a CD. in the movie The Lion King. I am so thankful for my parents that we didn't go down some random uh, CD burning phase. You know, like, oh, I got to get rid of my records. Oh, not burning. By the way, you speaking know. of CD burning, I saw a tweet the other day that kind of cracked me up. And it was a millennial saying, I don't understand how CD burning worked. So you had a CD. <laughs> not not actually physically throw them in the fire. Right. We're actually talking about making copies. I think you're talking about, you're I'm talking talking about, about throwing them in the fire. burning sort yeah. of things. I'm t- uh, yeah, I had to clarify, but I think it's hilarious. We asked our token millennial friend, Marshall, if he knew what, how CD burning worked, and he got really defensive because he's kind of an old fart at heart. And he said that he that still has, I'm a poet and I know it, he still has his MacBook with a built-in CD burner, and he hopes it never dies because he still wants to be able to burn CDs. And I respect him for that deeply the fact that he even knew how cd burning worked the other funny funny thing that happened to me this week i don't know if you understood this the other side of the conversation but elise came to me yesterday elise is almost seven you guys and she said rock artists speaking of metal rock singers they don't brush their hair do they And I said, well, I'm sure they do brush their hair. And she said, but when you do this, and she then shook her head and her hair violently headbanging. And I was like, that's headbanging. And she said, no, it's not. I'm just shaking my head like a rock singer. And I smiled and nodded. And she said, it just makes your hair snarly. So there's no point to brushing it. And I said, well, you brush it first. So it's pretty. And then it gets snarly. And then you brush it again. You have to brush it. It just gets worse and worse. So she goes, she says, no. It gets snarly, so there's no point in brushing it. Rock singers don't brush their hair. And I said, go ask your dad. <laughs> so she comes out and she's like, dad, she's really intense. In- she is. A- Do rock singers brush their hair? And I'm like, oh, yeah, they always get their hair ready before they go out on stage. But if they do this, you know, she does, she headbangs again. You know, and I'm like, she's like, it makes the hair all snarly. I'm like, yeah, it does. But it has to start out looking good. And then you can get all thrashy and rocky with it. Oh. So then okay. she came back upstairs and consented to me brushing her hair. But we rehashed the conversation again this morning. I just don't understand why they brush their hair because it just makes it snarly. <laughs> you got to look, you got, it's the same reason that, you know, we ripped our jeans. I understand why you got to take care of your jeans only to, you run around with them ripped. Why even bother to wash them? And then you buy them. Some of the some of the jeans that teenage girls wear these days, I don't mind the ones that come with some holes in them, but some of them actually just have shard a couple strings going across the entire front of the jeans from mid shin up to their thigh. Those don't make sense to me. Somebody like me would go to put them on, and I would get a toe caught and go right. rip. I'm like, oh, I just ruined my two hundred dollar pair of ripped jeans. Right. Oh crap! I I it just a couple of holes seems artful. Although most of the way they do it, unless you have really expensively done ones, seems fairly artificial. But when it's that many holes, I've taken to really enjoying the look. Kids I've, these days. I've had one my one my one really nice pair of denim. I need to send it back for another repair. But when they repair the a natural rip, I think it looks really cool. It does when cool. they repair a natural. On rip. Instagram, I have been 
I watched a couple reels and now I get suggested to them of people darning holes and how they fix various holes and things. And it's very fascinating to watch hmm. a uh, tie, you know, a, I don't know how they film it, but anyway, they must speed it up a little bit after they're doing Always. it, but it's very cool to watch how they fix. Um, what what resource did you recommend right before I, I brought it back around to Vengeance Rising? A re- oh, Tommy De Paula's Christmas books. Tony De Paula's Christmas Tomy, books. Tommy, T O M I E D E, lowercase d, E, capital P A O L A. And the book that we, the two books that we've done is are the first one is The Christmas Jingle, The Christmas Clown. And the one that we're doing this week is. Tommy De Paula's Christmas tree book, and it's the history history of Christmas trees yes. in America. Yes, and you guys, in case we're being random, and we are, um, I'm asking Molly so I can make notes of what to include in the show notes. So any links like this we recommend will be in the show notes. Click through, and you'll be able to grab. I'll link at least. One. I'm not going to link. I'm not going to link all of link the jingle Tommy, the Christmas clown Tommy De Paula books, but on I'll link Amazon. one, and then you can find the rest of them from right. there. So jingle so, the Christmas bells. Jingle the Christmas Clown. I hate clowns. Well, anybody else out there hate clowns besides me? Of course, me? it's a stereotype or it's a cliche almost to hate clowns. So the other thing that you can link that we can now talk about, as long as you're writing things down, mm-hmm. is Amazon Movie Britney Runs a Marathon. And let me see if it's Britney with an I or Britney with a Y. That was the that was the word that went through my head right after you said that. I, I was think like, it's with oh. an I actually because she's very much a child of the 1990s, and it's. But Britney, no normal Britneys are B R I T T N E Y, right? Let me see. Maybe it's Britney. Or is there like runs a marathon? Britney it is Britney with, with a, a Y. Single T. Britney it's with Britney with a Y. At which which at the front or the back. B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y runs a marathon. Oh, oh hold up. B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y. Here you A-N-Y. go. A-N-Y. I will show it to you. Brittany. Brittany. Oh, so not Brittany. Not Brittany. Brittany. That's the, that's the most traditional spelling of Brittany. That, right there. B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y is the most common. Hilarious and outgoing, Brittany Fogler is everybody's best friend. So, Except her own. It actually her partying, underemployment, and toxic relationships. Sorry, I won't finish reading. Uh, you guys, Do if my you're my best movie voice, my movie VO narrator voice. Yeah. So apparently, so this is now going to turn into a pop culture episode because I'm going to write something else. Uh oh, somebody's going to get happy. Right. Uh, who is it? Anna. Anna. Um. So Brittany runs a marathon. Your mom recommended it to me because your, your mom, mom. I thought you were gonna say your mom runs your a marathon. mom runs marathons, <laughs> and your mom also recommended it to me the last time she was here, and this time she was so busy taking care of our kids so we could have a day away. Thank you, Annette. That I have I a pop culture reference too. I'm gonna bring up when a chance to talk to her about it, but it's the guy who produ- who wrote and produced this movie. Based on the story of a friend of his whose name was Brittany. It's a real life Brittany. She's brunette from the pictures that I saw at the end of the movie. Brittany in the movie is blonde. But she, it's, it's a, for somebody like me who really likes 
getting into the psychology of people in our modern culture and their brokenness that and the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for the dysfunction that flows from just really average brokenness deep but normal in our culture which is dysfunctional uh family of origin she doesn't have a lot of great friendships the friendships that she does have are really superficial social media driven uh centered around alcohol and other substance abuse and and not in a hardcore way where you would look at her and say you have substance abuse problems but in the friend super skinny friend offers her Adderall on a regular basis she drinks to excess with these superficial friends who when push comes to shove don't really care for her and so she through a variety of circumstances gets into running and can barely run a block because she's really overweight and a doctor has said you're you're going to have severe health consequences if you don't start taking better care of yourself. And then she falls in with two other people who are getting into running because of their own various forms of brokenness. Trigger warning if you want to trigger if that's what it's called. There is a very likable gay couple with a child in the movie, but that seems so normal. I actually have trouble processing that's that. That's the problem. It's it, supposed to be normal. Well, They've made it normal. I know, but so so here's the now problem. Now look where we're going. I, I just I actually struggle with even recommending movies like this, but you can't not for adults. We know how to process this, but it in you know trickling down. What's the age level where we're comfortable with our kids watching a movie with a really likable normal? gay couple with a family that's a topic for a different conversation anyway one of the people one of her running partners is that guy and then there's another gal that she i don't want to spoil it for people because i really do think a lot of you guys out there would enjoy watching this and anyway she they're grown-ups they can handle it they can handle spoiler alert or they, they, can they, handle can handle, the, they can handle the random gay couple yeah because they're used to it because you can't not do it but I really enjoyed how the movie stripped away everything that she was trying to use as a coping mechanism. And I mean, again, I think this was the real Brittany. She, all, everything, including right before the. No, I'm not going to do that spoiler alert. Anyway, a lot of it follows the real Brittany, including physical like injury running injuries that turn out to be fairly devastating for her and i it one of the things that really resonated with me is how important authentic relationships are and how hard it is to find people who genuinely care about you and especially in a big city but I think increasingly in smaller communities where even people who know you don't really know you or care about you 
And tell it, tell our listeners about the guy, the hug guy who hugs people. The guy who on that hugs note, people. On that on that note. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you told me about it on the way to the hot springs. Oh yeah. So again, Instagram reels or something that I was just scrolling through at some point, and there was this this video of this guy blind wearing a blindfold, holding a sign that said. If you feel like nobody cares, come get a hug from me. And he, it was, he had a microphone on, which is a little bit like, nah, you know, because then people, he's going to have to ask people for permission to share what they say when they hug him. But it, he had people throwing themselves on him and crying as they were getting a physical hug. And again, that physical touch, we were designed for intimacy. And I don't mean intimacy as in we were designed to have sex with people. We were designed for intimacy, which means to be known at your at a deep level and loved despite of being known, in spite of who you are when people get to know you. And we require physical touch, going all the way back to orphans in Romanian cribs who physically and emotionally withered and did not develop properly because they were not getting physical touch. And getting hugs, you know, somebody like a widow getting a hug actually releases oxytocin, lowers blood pressure, does all sorts of really good things for you physically to have physical, positive physical contact with somebody. So anyway, he's giving people hugs and they're just weeping on his shoulders saying, I feel like nobody cares about me. And... On the one hand, it's it's kind of a tearjerker and it's really sweet that there's, there's this moment, but then it's like, but this guy doesn't act, he never takes his blindfold off. You get this hug and you cry on his shoulder and then you walk away and you're not actually known and loved because somebody random cares about you, but it's not somebody who's actually on your in your life on an ongoing basis. So it was a little bit of a sad, you know, he needs to be handing out his phone number so people can go out to coffee with him once a week. <laughs> After they get that he hug. He needs to be preaching Jesus. Well, Jesus Juke. Yes, he needs to be preaching Jesus, but he needs to be living Jesus by being with the people who need to be known and loved and to experience the grace of being loved despite all of their brokenness. And I think that's why the Britney movie... Don't do that. He's rubbing my toe with his toe. <laughs> trying to play footsie not right now go away <laughs> uh i i think that's why what that's the part of the movie that resonated with me is that she doesn't actually find real relationship until people know her at her worst and she experiences being loved and i mean in the christian parlance she experiences grace despite herself and she can't bootstrap herself up without a community of people who are supporting her and loving her. And the, she has to do that in a group of people who are not, in particular, there's one gal that she, she's roommates with who has, who is basically an Instagram influencer for her job. And she just turns out to be so shallow and at one point 
Britney's like, I'm just your fat sidekick that you, you know, use to feel good about yourself. And the gal's like, you know, the, the look on her face says, yes, you're not actually a friend. You're my fat sidekick. And um, anyway, the the stripping away of what we feel like we need to maintain on social media. And that actually reminds me of a little rant that I have <laughs> about social media. I was in a discussion with my Canavox people, and it was a total side note to the discussion, but in a project that we're creating for teenage kids, teenagers, boys and girls, but especially teenage girls, there was a sort of cliche comment about maybe he's going to propose to you on a mountainside with a photographer hidden in the bushes and flowers and a party afterwards sort of thing. And I, I don't want to say I hate things like that, but I, even though you propose to me on the side of a mountain and we revisit it when we drive through the Beartooth Mountains on a regular basis, I feel like there's this really unnecessary pressure on the average person to have an amazing proposal, wedding proposal. And the sweet conversation that's private between two people and doesn't have to be flashy, but is reflective of who they are as a couple and their values and also what they're capable of. And oh, by the way, you don't have to have fireworks that start a forest fire. Don't have to do that for a gender reveal party either. You can actually these days still either ask the ultrasound people not to tell you and have it be a surprise when your baby is born, or you can just have them tell you in the ultrasound. That's still a thing. Can you do that? Yeah, you can. You can be. I ma- thought I had to have a gender reveal party with balloons and cannons. Fake? No laser and then beams. Fake your gender reveal party. Pink and blue laser beams. Anyway, and I a DJ. I feel like people almost don't even realize that. I don't know that. If you were to live your life on social media, you wouldn't realize that you could have just a normal finding out thing, which we've done four times. We haven't waited to see because I'm a control freak and somehow it gives me a sense of control to know what gender I'm having. Don't live on social media, you guys. I know. I, it, don't. it just really reinforces Stay that. Off. because Because here's the thing. If you're going to have a gender reveal party... You have to have somebody who's going to throw the party for you and do all the coordinating to get the cake and get the balloons or get the you know the cannon and then throw the party and coordinate all this. And then you have to have all now, of these hip, pretty dressed people to make Instagram worthy pictures during your gender reveal thing. What if you... All the women have to wear white clothes and big hats right? and leather boots. Not just white, maybe tan clothes. And big tan. hats. And they tan have big clothes. hats. All the girls have to have big hats, long hair. Not too big, though. Like a That's pullover shawl. Like a... Right. Oh, you guys, it's all in my head already. So, so here's the thing. What if you have just a couple friends? What if you're struggling with loneliness and don't have a lot of great friends? What if only one of the spouses has friends and it's the husband? What if your friends are frumpy? What, what if, if you don't have a gorgeous yard? What if it just doesn't fit your personality? What if you don't have the budget <laughs> to do a big party? All of these things. And you feel like your life is subpar because you're not doing these ridiculous things that it seems like you're supposed to do for, you know, to make your proposal or your gender reveal or your your bachelorette party. All of these things make them legit. I had a friend today 
who's I can't remember how old he is. He's either one or two. She brought donuts to our co-op movie morning where we watched the Charlie Brown Christmas movie with our normally outdoor adventure club. But you don't do that even in Montana when it's this cold. And she said, this was actually kind of a big spend for me to bring enough donuts that each kid in the group could have a quarter of a donut. And she was like, I was looking up the average birthday party for an American. Now I'm going to have to Google this. Duck, duck, go it. Because I, she said that the average American kid birthday party these days costs $800. The what? The average American kid birthday party these days costs $800. $800. For... Am I hearing you correctly? Uh, that's eight. It's, now it's Pinterest. I'm everybody Googling gets on. It. Everybody gets on Pinterest and How sees much? what all their friends are doing, and just go ape crap. Okay, so this is the average. This is I don't even know what website this is. Reviewed.com, and it says that the average is four to five hundred. For a kid's birthday party. Um, uh, I'll do a little bit more Googling. Uh, 26% of parents, this is just headlines coming across, told baby, 26% of parents told Baby Center that they spent more than $500 for their little one's first birthday. Anyway... Can a kid have a good birthday party if you... I think, I'm think i going to go out for sushi, and that's going to cost $500. I mean, yeah, right? That you could. Um, I'm trying to find... The average... This says the average kid's birthday party costs... Runs about $400 before presents. A survey by supermarket retailer Asda... So the moment in, I show up, it costs even more. Drops a whopping twenty. The average. Anybody get that, or is it the just... average British parent drops a whopping twenty eight thousand dollars on their kids' birthdays for through age twenty one. So cumulative for kids' birthdays, an average British parent spends twenty eight thousand dollars on kids' parties. Well, look, that's that's the British. They're weird. No. I I feel like Americans would outdo British on that. Anyway, mm. anyway, I will tell you this. The the older our kids get, on the one hand, the more expensive they get. Because they do things like, instead of coloring on walls that you can paint over, they do things like run their bike along the side of your car. And either you have a car that is permanently scratched up or you have to repaint it. Or they have really expensive mountain bikes, hypothetically speaking, that they have to have really expensive parts replaced uh, on. Are you talking about Hypothetically speaking. And anyway. The- we don't have really expensive mountain bikes. We just have not expensive mountain bikes. This is why part of the problem why parts need to be replaced. Oh, we have middle of the line. We don't have cheap mountain bikes. Yeah, that rear wheel's shot on Elise's bike. Right. So anyway. Um, but so kids... Potato they have chip. more expensive things and they're harder on them if they're use even if they're using them well as they get older was my point. Yeah. But but I yeah. find that our kids' birthday parties have gotten easier and cheaper because I'm able to do things like 
hey, have your kids over for a Nerf war. Hey, have your kids over for playing. I would also hazard a guess that they're cheaper and easier because the kids are sensible and their parents are not. When they're little kids, you're like, I'm going to have a Tonka truck birthday. So you go through yes. all of this rigmarole and all these things you and buy all this stuff. You go to Hobby Lobby and buy all the knickknacks. You go nuts. But also... Now when they get older, they're like, Dad, it, can I have pasta and I want to go skiing? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah I want to make my own cake this year. This is what Titus, tomorrow, part of his school is making his own birthday cake. But... And he doesn't actually talk like that. His balls haven't dropped yet. So he was like sitting here by my microphone going, speaking... Really high, going. He isn't speaking. Just like that he was, high. he was. No, he was singing in the microphone. And uh, it was just so high. He sings like, into the microphone. Kid, well, he was making noises. Okay. Noises. So anyway, we've had things like doll tea parties and hide and seek in our yard sorts of parties lately. Where the the thing that's lovely about the older kids is if you say I don't really want to do anything for your birthday, they come up with a cool alternative that mm-hmm. doesn't that doesn't it's really reasonable. cost them anything and it's reasonable and for example with the doll birthday party that we had for elisa's or the tea party we had ty's tent that we'd had titus sleep in in the playroom so he would have a semblance of privacy during the big family christmas we just left the tent up for a few extra days and the girls had a tea party in the tent and it was super fun and cool for them to have a tea party in a tent and we hung balloons and streamers from the top of it and they set their dolls up, and I think we went to Hobby Lobby and bought straw hats for the dolls that were about a dollar each. And then we just made food. And then they did their own thing. There was no managerial oversight necessary for me because they were old enough to do their own thing. And that is tremendously lovely because when you have kids who are a little bit younger, you have to schedule it out from the minute the kids arrive to the minute the kids leave or or they start getting crazy and they run out of things to do and all the activities take less time than you want them to. And anyway, it's managing little kid birthday parties has been really stressful for me. And now it's like, do you want to have some buddies over? Sweet. We'll have cupcakes after they, you know, at the end of when they're here. And it's great. Yes. Things are a lot nicer when they're older. I think. Yes. To an extent. Um, and those of you that have been on our podcast now for a while, you're following the parenting journey. Or those of you that know us in person and know what, what we were like when our kids were really small. I don't remember what that was like. Um, other things you can watch because Brittany, Brittany runs a marathon, I'm sure is a wonderfully enjoyable movie, but it's not something I'm going to pick out. And it's only on Amazon Prime. Yes. The last season of The Expanse under Amazon's contract anyway, starts um, on the 12th. So I am thrilled. And I got a little surprised that they actually wrote another book for the series that I downloaded. I thought it was over, but uh, it's not. So I'm stoked about that. So I'm listening to that on audiobook, uh, and The Expanse comes out the, the next season. So I highly recommend it if you just want something enjoyable to watch that um, don't take anything too seriously really. It's just a great world, great series, great creativity. I like all of it. It's my jam. So there's that. That's all I wanted to bring up, Molly. Okay. I'm going to also so add... I'm vibing on right now. What's it... Why is this not on Netflix now? Oh, this last Sunday night. So we are... Last year we started this and we're doing it again this mm-hmm. year. At my parents' house, they have a theater in their basement and a partial kitchen 
next to it. And so we, through December last year and are doing it again this year on Sunday evenings, are doing hors d'oeuvres for dinner and watch a movie on the theater and have a couple of friends over as we do it. And it all started around the Behold the Lamb of God concert, which we're going to do next Sunday with hors d'oeuvres and whatnot. But this last Sunday, we watched Angela's Christmas on Netflix and it's Angela's animated Irish Christmas 2. Short. Thing. They're based on Frank McCourt's, on sections from Frank McCourt's book, Angela's Ashes, which is memoirs of his mother growing up in World War One era Ireland. But they were sweet. There was nothing that I can think of that mm-hmm. was objectionable. There was a little bit of tension with, but the kids survived. Yeah, our kids do really, really poorly. And with by plot tension, tension, I mean she's just hap- she just happens to be walking down a street that has shadows. She's and she's, no, they, she just could be walking down the street and maybe she's nervous. got a little bit of a guilty conscience at one point, and but she's a anyway. If you're looking for something new because you've watched all the Christmas things in the world, even though they keep producing new ones, there you just never know with the new thing. Christmas you have to things. produce new ones because if you can just get one out there, then it could set up your career or your life for perpetuity. Anyway, that's why I, do Christmas I, things. I would ha- put myself out there as recommending the sweetness of Angela's Christmas and Angela's Christmas too. They're thir- about 30 minutes each to people good for all I mean all the adults laughed out loud at several points oh yeah and Faith who was three laughed out loud at several points too so we'll have tapas um, because it's easier to spell than hors d'oeuvres and we'll just make (laughs) kind of interesting foods that people can kind of buffet style and they can just enjoy an evening and hang out and yeah watch a movie so if you have a home theater do it Um, especially with the Behold the Lamb of God concert yeah. That you can Next live stream. Uh, my final thought for today is I've been meditating a lot on good old Proverbs 3, mm-hmm. 5, and 6, which, you know, you memorize as a kid and then... For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. No, that's Romans 3.23. Um, <laughs> just the idea of leaning not in your own understanding has been something that I've been wrestling with a lot lately in trying to feel, trying to repent of not having a lot of control in my world where I like to have control. And so trusting in God rather than... Where is your repenting because the sin is your... The sin is anxiety as a result of not having control. Anxiety doesn't strike me as sin, per se. Um, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by okay. prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, pretty, present pretty your request to God. Um, there's all sorts of... I'm, I always look... I'm, I mean, it, it, it anxiety deeper, is another but... word. Do not worry. Like, I think it's a little bit of the don't let... You know, when we were at Peacemakers and we talk about unforgiveness... You can't, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. So you can't keep anxious thoughts from flying over your head, but you can keep them oh, from yeah. setting up house there and dwelling on things that you are afraid of for the future that you can't control is a sin of not trusting in the Lord and leaning on your own understanding. Huh. 
I've never actually quite, I've never like seen it as, I mean, I wrestle with that kind of thing every day, but I don't really see it as like being sinful per se. I think that wrestling with, wrestling with not being in control and not knowing the future and being concerned about it is different than letting it set up house Uh. and being anxious. I think yeah, that's a battle for me to not let it set up house. So it has not historically been, but this fall, for whatever reason, it has become a huge battle for me. And for some reason, the Lord keeps, rather than a verse like Philippians 4, don't be anxious about everything, but present your request to God. The verse that keeps coming to me in battling anxious thoughts is don't trust in your own understanding. Because apparently my anxiety Mm. is a fruit of wanting to control and wanting to manage all of the things in my world that are not only unknowns from the future, but also things that I can't control from the people around me and the circumstances around me. Mm-hmm. And so leaning not on my own understanding, but trusting in the Lord and acknowledging him in all my ways, letting him make my hope path straight. And then interestingly enough, you know, I was talking earlier about the physical benefits of physical affection and relationship to people. And there's tons of statistics about health problems for people who don't have good relationship. I mean, if you live in a high, here's another statistic that's that's wild to me. If you live in a high stress relationship, marriage specifically, you are more likely to catch cancer, catch cancer, to catch a virus or to get cancer because your body is physically weaker at fighting things off. And so I, when, when the author of Proverbs follows up, do not rely on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The next verse is, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. That's awesome. It actually is physically detrimental to you to live in an anxious state and to rely on your own understanding. And... Um, I hashtag anyway, science because God created the world to work this way. And mm-hmm. he knows that when he throws out verses like that, he knows exactly what he's talking about. I think a lot of people bring stress on themselves too, though. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people that are overly dramatic about things or just yeah. let things control things, which or... I think is why historically I have kind of poo pooed people who struggle with anxiety. Cause I don't really think of myself as a drama queen and I don't seek out drama and I don't typically well, now that I have kids, I would say I overreact to stuff. But I would I would venture I would hazard a guess that the state of us and our church is contributing a lot to your anxiousness. It's it because that's a kind of a core that's kind of a core outside factor that's contributing to you know, it, the, I, I think that's a one my, component of it, but I think there's a lot else going on. I mean, one example, one other thing that I know has contributed to it is with you being gone so much this fall, everything is on me in the household. And I just live in a state of what's going to go wrong, what kid's going to throw fit, what, you know, what needs to be done around the house, how much cleaning up needs to be done. And there's, it's been relentless for me for most of the fall. And so that I've just lived in a state of, of anxious slash exhausted for most of the fall. How does that change though when I'm around? Cause I, like there's all those things are still there except I'm here, but I mean, ideally you're helping I, with stuff. Huh? 
I didn't know I, would, I contributed that much. <laughs> well, you could <laughs> do more. Of- let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> can always do more. That's a given. Right. But if if I am too tired to do all of the dishes because I've bustled from oh, yeah, 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 one yeah. thing to the next, you know, you you have to, somebody to ask or like tonight, I can do them tonight, or you will take the kids to judo mm-hmm. and I will prep Titus's birthday donuts tomorrow. I will oh, tidy that's up right. the We're kitchen doing donuts tomorrow. I will do. <gasps> I will. I will. Sorry. I will have two hours, actually three hours, two hours of class plus a half hour driving there and a half hour back where I can do stuff around the house without Mm -hmm. kids around. If if you're not here, I leave a kitchen in an utter disaster and take the kids to take the kids to judo, sometimes do shopping while they're at judo because I can't leave the kids with you and go shopping. I sometimes dump them with my mom. But otherwise, and then I come home and I have to bustle them all to bed and it's 930 by the time I get everyone put back to bed for the 14th time. And then at 930, I look around the kitchen and have to deal with all of the disaster. On that note, I have to go feed the kids dinner so you can take them to judo. Yes, we're out of time dinner, judo, everything else. If you guys wanted to join us on our Telegram channel, we've mentioned that a couple times, I'll include the link to the group, uh, the Telegram group. It's fairly easy. Click the link, sign up if you're not signed up, and then join the group. It'll say right down there at the bottom. Uh, Anything else we talked about on the show worth mentioning, I'll include in the show notes. And if you're looking for a Christmas present, don't forget to buy people... Uh, some too busy to flush swag. Your favorite person, your favorite podcast, or your stuff. favorite weird and hard person. Yes, you know <laughs> that person. You know, yes, exactly. So I'll leave that alone. Um, and with that, I don't think I have anything else to. No other administrative laundry. To you do. can contact us with a postcard on our website. Or at your text if you don't want to join our Telegram. Or message yes, me postcard, on Instagram. Postcard on the website, toobusytoflush.com. Instagram, toobusytoflush, all grammatically correct. And then uh, you can reach me on Google Voice at 406-318-7136. So, other than that, I think that's it, you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. 